And here we go. Here we go on this Monday evening. It is the 29th day of August. Just just September's right around the corner. Uh, 2022, 6 o'clock straight up. Uh, you are in the midst of Real Talk Memphis. I am your host, Chip Washington. Very happy to have you uh, here with us uh, this evening. I trust that you had a, a good weekend. And I trust um, that everything... Went okay uh, on this Monday. You know, Mondays can be either be up or down. But I tell you what, it was hot today as far as I was concerned. Low 90s, and uh, but we didn't see any rain today. Uh, so everything turned out to be good. I think we might see uh, an increase in some shower activity in the next couple of days. Uh, but uh, if you're anything like me, you are really sick and tired of cutting the grass. I am sick and tired of cutting grass. I know that fall is just uh, right around the corner. So I definitely look forward to things slowing down just a bit. So on this day that we celebrate the birthday of Michael Jackson, uh, who uh, Sale told me would be 64 years old uh, had he lived today. Um, I was uh, driving in here and I uh, was listening to 88.5 and Brother John was doing a Michael Jackson tribute, Jackson 5 tribute. And boy, I was having a good time. I was really enjoying myself. And I tell you what. He was my all-time favorite. So, uh, you know, Michael, you know, we still miss you and, and uh, you know, Godspeed. So, um, Serena Williams uh, is uh, playing in her final U.S. Open. Uh, the match actually is starting right about now. And I'm sure that TVs coast to coast are checking her out. Uh, tickets for the U.S. Open for her matches in particular will be sold out. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, so they've been playing tributes to, to her all day long today. Uh, so her first round match, uh, she's never lost a first round match. She's 20-0. and 0. So we'll see what happens. But I digress. In terms of our show tonight, uh, we're having a couple of technical problems right now in terms of our Zoom. Hopefully uh, folks uh, will come to the rescue and help us out with that. So you'll have to be listening to us on the radio right now. So how do you get this fine piece of radio broadcasting? Well, we are live on WYXR 91.7 on your FM dial. So those of you who are faithful listeners or supporters of this program, uh, hit your radios right now. You can also catch us on the TuneIn app, T-U-N-E-I-N. Put WYXR in the search and you'll be able to catch us. And you'll also be able to catch us on the WYXR website, the WYXR app. Uh, for right now, uh, we are efforting uh, both uh, Facebook Live and uh, we are efforting uh, trying to get our Zoom uh, capabilities uh, taken care of, you know, as well. But we, you know, we digress and we move on and uh, we're going to have a pretty good show for you tonight because we're bound and determined to do it. I can tell you that right now. Uh, guests include uh, Shelby County Juvenile Court Judge Elect Tarek Sugarman uh, will be joining us in just a few minutes. Uh, we also will be speaking with uh, Councilwoman of District 1, Rhonda Logan, will join us a bit later on in the broadcast. And 
one of the Starbucks 7, now if I have to refresh your memory, Starbucks 7, those, those employees that were fired back in February, uh, you know, for supposedly trying to, you know, uh, demand uh, better working conditions and even at some point trying to uh, get a, a union started. Uh, I have one of the uh, Starbucks 7 employees, uh, Nabretta Harden, will join us in the last half hour of the show. And uh, she will give us uh, some updates as to uh, where things are. Uh, they did... Um, by a district judge ruling, uh, ordered Starbucks to give them their jobs back. Uh, Starbucks is fighting that right now, and uh, we will uh, see how all that uh, unfolds, and we'll we'll, uh, get an update uh, from her uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, as we always do this time of the big broadcast, we like to celebrate you. Uh, Any of you who are celebrating birthdays had one this past weekend or uh, today or this week, This segment is for you. This is where we shout you out nationwide, uh, coast to coast. But I can't do that unless I say, hit it, Lola. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis. I am your host, Chip Washington. All right, here we go. Uh, Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday is going out to Tamara Rhodes on this day. Rosalind Lindsay is celebrating today. Kawana Johnson, happy birthday to you. Derek Jefferson is celebrating a birthday today. How about Lisa Fletcher? Happy birthday, Lisa. Memphis Lynn is celebrating a birthday today. Chris McClellan, happy birthday. David Anthony, Latrice Calvin, Angie Bearden, Chris, actually Bob Chris Mitchell. Yeah, I know him. He's a fellow colleague of mine in television. And, uh, and, and Tracy Rogers, as well. Tracy Rogers was my former news director back in the day when I was at uh, WMC TV 5. She's up in Nashville somewhere. So happy birthday to each and every one of you uh, on this day. Uh, we celebrate you. We are very happy to have you with us. And uh, if the Lord says so, next year we will celebrate you once again with uh, the next trip around the sun. But in the meantime, enjoy this one. And happy birthday each and every person. Thank you, Lola. So uh, we have some news and notes to uh, talk to you about here. And uh, let me see here. Hold on just a minute. I'm trying to get my notes together. It's been an interesting day, uh, and it's actually been an interesting few days. So how many of you saw Wanda Halbert's press conference this morning? Uh, Wanda Halbert, uh, the uh, Shelby County clerk, finally, uh, I guess you could say, uh, decided to uh, speak with the media and uh, to – kind of give an update as to what has been going on with her and, uh, you know, the, the clerk's office. Of course, she got a lot of heat from uh, folks uh, when the office was closed last week when she was out of town and she went to uh, Jamaica. Uh, well, she's back now. She's been working, and uh, she says that she uh, is uh, there catching up with things. But I think today was more for her was really – about, uh, you know, being rather upset with the coverage that has been received uh, in reference to her the last week and her trip. Uh, And she kind of made that very well known today. She was pretty clear on the fact that she was upset with uh, the way things were and uh, and uh, that there were some personal attacks to her family and uh, cars sitting outside her home. I would assume that she met the media uh, when we were talking about all of that. And so, yeah, she, she spent uh, the majority of it saying, you know what, uh, I need to be treated like everybody else needs to be treated and not any differently. Uh, so I'm um, just curious uh, to uh, know what you all thought about uh, all of that. 
Uh, so anyway, uh, hopefully things will be on the move, and uh, we will start to get the tags and the and the uh, you know and the you know the tags and the licenses and everything will slowly start to pick up. So we hope so. Anyway, keep hope alive. Uh, Memphis in May is having a bit of an issue. Uh, their issue is. Uh, well, uh, first of all, Tom Lee Park is being uh, renovated, as we all know, and I've uh, been working on it for a while now. It should be almost ready by next May. I say almost. They said that they will be pausing uh, their work uh, to make sure that the uh, festival goes on. That's not the problem. The problem is uh, Memphis in May uh, deals with a redevelopment uh, corporation uh, who basically uh, asks for a security uh, fee each and every year, you know, for any kind of damages and things and kind of putting the park back together. You know how it is when you rent an apartment, how you have to pay that security fee just in case you do a little damage, you know, when you move out. Same difference. Um, except, uh, let's see, the fee for this has been for years $150,000 that uh, Memphis and May pays uh, to the Redevelopment Corporation for the security. Well, this year, uh, that has changed. The redevelopment company uh, initially asked for $1.4 million instead of the usual uh, it's, uh, $53,000 uh, is, is what, I'm sorry, I misread that. It's what they normally pay. Uh, that group asked for $1.4 million. Uh, remember, Tom, remember the festival this year was held at the fairgrounds, and uh, the attendance level wasn't as it normally is at Tom Lee Park. Uh, and consequently, uh, the festival this year lost $2 million. It's a lot of money for, uh, you know, a, a small group. So anyway, uh, $1.4 million is almost impossible for them to be able to pay. They decided to go to the mayor's office and uh, ask Mayor Strickland uh, for some help in uh, trying to negotiate, you know, a decent compromise here. The mayor said, this is your issue, this is your deal, and you need to fix it, and you need to get it all straight. So he refused to get involved. He told both parties to get it together and come up with a reasonable solution. Well, I guess that's still going on. Uh, last I heard, uh, the, uh, the folks at the, uh, at the Redevelopment Corporation have brought the uh, number down to 375000 That's still a pretty big jump over the 53000 that's normally paid. So stay tuned to that particular situation. I'll see here, let me check, check a couple of things here. Uh, also, um, I don't know if you heard late this afternoon, uh, the singer Stephanie Bolton uh, was arrested over the weekend. Uh, she apparently got into a, a verbal altercation uh, uh, which uh, ended up uh, with uh, uh, Bolton uh, verbally harassing a woman uh, at a fitness facility. Uh, followed the woman after she left the facility, uh, tried to uh, hit her with her car, and uh, eventually all this wound up at the applicant station, uh, a police station. Uh, Bolton apparently did fire a shot uh, from a gun that she had uh, into the vehicle at the woman. Uh, no one was hurt. Uh, Bolton was arrested, and she was charged with uh, attempted first-degree murder, vandalism, possession of a firearm. Uh, she uh, has bonded out. Uh, she was supposed to perform Saturday night at the Orpheum. That has been obviously canceled at this particular point in time. Uh, this apparently is over a man, uh, the uh, soon-to-be ex-husband of uh, Stephanie Bolton, uh, who was seeing uh, the victim. Uh, so uh, that's a pretty tough, tough situation there. Uh, and uh, we'll have to 
wait and see how it all how it all unfolds. Um, big rains in Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, uh, over the last few days. I mean, the central Mississippi got about eight nine inches of rain. Mostly low-lying ground, uh, a lot of flooding, and now, uh, in particular, uh, the, the flood stage is starting to rise. And as it starts to rise uh, to uh, flood stage levels, which is 35 feet, uh, houses are going to be flooded, and it's going to be a bad situation all around, particularly in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, the mayor of Jackson last night was on CNN urging uh, the citizens uh, to get out now. Uh, it is time for you to move out so you don't get stuck in your house uh, until the water starts to recede. So, yeah, tough situation down there. They got a lot of rain in a lot of areas, a lot of water fell in a very short. Nine inches of rain in 24 hours, that is that is a tremendous amount of water. So uh, we'll pray for those folks. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I used to hang out in that area down there, so I'm really con- concerned about uh, what is going on uh, with them and praying for them, you know, as well. Uh in sports, and yes, there's something to talk about in sports. College football uh, is back. It begins in earnest this week, uh, this Thursday, and then of course Saturday is when everybody uh, kicks off. So it should be, uh, you know, it's just great for it to be back. Great for sports to be back. Great for all of us to be back, and uh, you know, sitting in front of the TV. So I have a full day of doing nothing on Saturday, but watching college football, and I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, the NFL starts next Thursday night. So, yeah, things are starting to kick off all over again. I think uh, that's about all I have for news and notes right now. So we're going to take our first break. And uh, when we come back, we are going to uh, speak with uh, Shelby County Juvenile Court Judge-elect Tarek Sugarman. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. You a fan of the sound? Be sure to block your calendar for December 3rd when we'll be throwing WYXR's inaugural music festival. From the airwaves to the stage, Raised by Sound Fest is a free day-long event showcasing local and regional talent. Come out to enjoy free live performances from 1 to 7 p.m. at Crosstown Brewing Company and the Crosstown Central Atrium, along with a day full of DJ sets from your favorite WYXR DJs. At night, stick around for ticketed events in Crosstown Theater and at the Green Room at Crosstown Arts from 7 to 11 p.m. We'll be announcing the full lineup soon, so stay tuned. If you want to be the first to know all the details, sign up for email updates at raisedbysamfest.com. Support for WYXR comes from our partners at Spaces Group, a certified Miller Knoll dealer. Spaces Group is a commercial furniture dealership located in Memphis, Tennessee and Jackson, Mississippi, specializing in furniture for the corporate, healthcare, educational, and nonprofit markets. More information at spacesgrp.com or their Instagram at spacesmemphis. 
Support for WYXR comes from Focal Point. Located in Crosstown Concourse, Focal Point is a Southern College of Optometry clinical facility that offers fittings with designer eyewear and eco-friendly frames. Learn more at focalpointcrosstown.com. Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on uh, this uh, beautiful Monday Monday evening in the city. city. Uh, Chip Uh, is here, here uh, and I'm hearing feedback and everything, so uh, we're having a couple of uh, little minor problems, but we're going to try to carry on anyway. Um, My first guest is uh, someone that I'm very uh, happy to have on. You know, we had the recent elections, and uh, there were a couple of... Big surprises. Uh, one of those, of course, was a district attorney. And the other one was uh, we have a new uh, Chevy County juvenile court judge. His name is Tarek Sugarman. And uh, do I call you judge? Do I call you Tarek? I know you haven't been sworn in yet, so I just want to make sure that I'm labeling you right tonight. <laughs> Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here again. And, um, you know, you ran for this position uh, a few years back and you barely lost the election. Of course, uh, this time was a completely different story. And uh, I think my first question to you would be, what was it about your campaign? What was it about uh, your philosophy uh, and where you want to take juvenile court that people resonated to this time around? Well, uh, as you know, this has been a system that has been an impediment to the growth of our community for years, over 60 years. Uh, my, my father was actually the first Reverend William, William Ken, Ken Turner. Turner. I think he was born in 1976. But in any event, we, we have, uh, and, and the voters saw an opportunity uh, to make a change in this system, to make it more, uh, more user-friendly, more youth-oriented, more family-oriented. And the way that, uh, as you know, you've been in law enforcement before, the way to change the system is to empower our families to help and heal uh, the children we have coming out of the community. Yeah, it's, it, it really is uh, something that a lot of folks are talking about. Hello? And uh, can you hear me okay? Chip. Yeah. Well, he can't hear me now. Hold on just a second. Let me see. He can't. He can't. He lost, my, he lost my audio. Hang on, Judge. Hang on, Chuck. We, we're going to see if we can't fix this. Hold on. Can you hear me now? I can hear you fine. Okay, good, great. Okay, so I guess uh, we were talking about this. A a lot of folks are looking for or were looking for reform. That's the big word. That's the big key phrase that everybody's talking about, reform. Uh, When you hear that in terms of uh, uh, your new uh, position, what does that mean to you? It means giving families the resources that they've so, so desperately and so long needed uh, our communities, it's no secret, we we have often lived, our children have been, been uh, growing up in 
communities are like war zones. Uh, we have been be intentional about the change. When we say reform, it needs to be more proactive, more involved in the community, making sure that we have the resources available to the families to heal them, the opportunities at growth, that is, and not just with children, but with the parents, uh, opportunities and jobs and growth and, and job development. We need to have economic opportunities, which we want to provide by combining the resource of the state, our county, as well as our private partners. Um, this is a unique opportunity. We have a mayor that is vested in making uh, youth and the changes and opportunities for youth and education uh, and job training and growth and development in the communities. We have a district attorney who understands the problems that our community faces in general uh, when it comes to dealing with law enforcement, when it comes to dealing with justice issues. Uh, and we have a county commission that is vested in making changes that turn around this crime problem we have by empowering families again, by changing the trajectory some of these children are on and making sure that we have opportunities for everyone. And that is an opportunity we could not let pass. That's why everybody's excited. We know we have a, a we have a platform and a purpose and a dedication behind making the changes necessary to heal our communities. Well, you mentioned uh, uh, several components there, uh, the uh, county commission, uh, of course, uh, the juvenile court and the district attorney. And uh, it is really, really imperative and important that you all work to together as one cohesive unit to really bring forth the type of change that is needed uh, to sort of steer the court in another direction. Am I, am I, am I right on that one? You're absolutely right. Uh, we have to be ready to address the problems uh, that our families are, are, are confronting. For instance, uh, in Davidson County, where I'm now, I'm here for a juvenile justice uh, consortium with the juvenile court judges from across the state. Okay. But uh, Judge Sheila Callaway, who was elected in 2014 in Davidson County, has made some tremendous strides. Uh, things like Safe Babies Court where families who are dealing with uh, mental health issues, with, with poten potential drug issues, or uh, under-resourced opportunities, the resources are being placed in the families, uh, in the communities where it's, it's, at it's most needed, uh, making sure our children are protected from birth up to three years old is the most important age in the development of a child. That's what baby Safe Babies Court focuses on, making sure the resources are there to heal and grow healthy, healthy families and healthy children. Is that so? so and, and, and saying something like that, is that something that you would, would, would embrace or at least look into? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I draw, brought several members of our team here last week. Uh, we came and met with Judge Calloway, her staff, uh, also with the clerk of the court, um, Mayor, excuse me, uh, Clerk Mondell uh, Matthews. And uh, Janine Gordon came up and met with his office to see how they, they can improve the automation of our juvenile court clerk's office uh, to make it more user friendly. So these are the kind of visionary steps we want to take uh, to reform our justice system and make it more not a juvenile court, but a family oriented court. Hmm. That's where change begins. If you're just joining us, we are speaking with uh, Shelby County Juvenile Court Judge-elect Tarek Sugarman. Uh, he's sworn in. When are you sworn in? On the 31st? Is that on, when you're? On Wednesday, the 31st. It'll be at 2 o'clock p.m. at the Cannon Center. Mm -hmm. And I invite everyone to please come out. And, of course, there's a swearing in for the mayor, uh, the clerks of the various um, divisions of Shelby County government, as well as the county commission, the county uh, school board. Uh, all of those pieces are being sworn in at 430.
all those uh, offices being sworn in four thirty the but, same day. But yours, yours is at two thirty at two o'clock at with all of the other county judges. That's got correct. It, got it. Got it. So I want to I want to step back for a minute uh, with what you were talking about in terms of uh, uh, some reforms. Now, uh, obviously, uh, there's been a big issue made of juveniles who are committing. Uh, major felonies, uh, like committing murder. And we've seen a couple of examples of that recently. And, and the argument, you know, should they be tried as adults uh, straight up or should they go to juvenile court? Uh, I know you have been doing a lot of thinking about all of this. And uh, when I, I spoke with uh, uh, Steve Morrow a couple of weeks ago, and I brought up, is there a possibility with you all working together of uh, when you see crimes committed by juveniles, major crimes, uh, that there could be a sentence uh, that would be blended or something uh, sort of changed to, to where they wouldn't get out at 18 but maybe stay a little longer? Is, is that something that, that you might be open to uh, conversation? Well, you know, Chip, a lot of times uh, uh, laypersons, lay uh, citizens don't understand Judges are restricted in projecting how they would necessarily rule. Okay. We have to, re- to, de- to defer until we've heard the facts of the matter and apply the laws as it, as, it, as it applies to the case individually. The district attorney has a lot more latitude in expressing policy proactively, but we cannot project how rule. Now, let me just say this, though, about um, our juvenile system as regards to transfers, and that's one of the things you're addressing. Um, we need some more tools in our quiver, some more arrows in our quiver, some more tools in our tool belt. Uh, one of the things that I want to try to, to initiate, and uh, the prior administration had tried to do it, but the, the way that they tried to do it has been done across different um, juvenile systems in the country, but is to have a thing called blended sentencing, where uh, the juvenile court works with the district attorney's office so that when we enter a plea agreement with this, a, a youth that can be uh, rehabilitated. We try to keep them in the juvenile system as long as possible, up to age 25. And the way that works is uh, generally on the front end, and there's several different ways you can do it, but uh, we would enter into an agreement with the district attorney and as well as the defense counsel representing that, that child accused of a delinquent act mm-hmm. um, to fashion a probationary program, a rehabilitative program that would continue until they reach 18. And at that point, the probation extends until they're 25. Now, uh, the several ways you can do it, uh, the way they tried to do it before was have a determinate sentence. In other words, a child would plead or their defense attorney would plead to a delinquent act that would result in an indictment, but not that the indictment not being filed. And then if they complete the probationary program and all the way through age 25, uh, at that point it's to dismiss. The problem with that though was they're ending into an agreed sentence and if at the if before that probation is completed, uh, the the youth is unable to complete all the conditions of probation, uh, then they would automatically go to prison. The problem with that is you, you that that person you loses the right to have a trial by a jury. Now, in my opinion, and it'd be up to the legislature. I'm just speculating now, but my opinion would be it'd be better to have one where there's an indictment pending but held, and then once the youth and then reaches majority and has completed all the conditions of probation, then it's dismissed because you've had the opportunity to work with the child in the juvenile system, don't expose them to the risk of an adult prison system, give them the rehabilitative services, the mentoring, the counseling, any of the other ancillary services that child needs in order to fully reform, and they complete those conditions of probation, then they are released back out 
uh, hopefully then directly into a job because we want to, while they're in our custody or in our, excuse me, on our supervision, they're going through some job training and they're ready at the point they completed at 25 to go into the workforce. And so that would be a better outcome. Uh, having blended sentencing, we don't have that opportunity now. Either you send the child to adult court to be tried and sentenced if convicted right. as an adult, or you you take the chance, put them on probation, and at 18 we lose all complete jurisdiction over that child and all supervision. You know, you spoke a lot uh, in that uh, about uh, rehabilitation, and I've talked to a lot of people about this particular subject, and 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 I've also asked the question, you know, why are we seeing such an increase uh, in juvenile crime? Because we are, and, and I don't think anybody would dispute that, uh, but uh, most people uh, tend to agree that uh, there's something missing with our children. Uh, they need support, they need love, they need attention, they need someone to wrap their arms around them, and, and it almost sounds like what you were talking about with the blended uh, sentencing that you would give them that, including uh, rehabilitation and uh, job training and things like that, so that perhaps they could be a productive member of society again. That, that's absolutely correct. Now, when it comes to the initial question you asked regarding why is crime, especially youth crime and violent youth crime, yes. uh, spiraling out? This is not unique to Memphis. It's not unique to Tennessee. It's not unique to this country. Uh, it's happening, happening all over the United States and across the world. Um, it has to be, to some extent, related to COVID and, and to the extent that we have been insulated and isolated for now going on over two years uh, from the socialization uh, from uh, the workforce in some instances for, for a period of time, from school as regards to uh, uh, kids that are school age. Um, all of these things are contributing factors, and that's in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert, right. but we know that, that the dynamics have changed. You look at what, for instance, just take one thing. Uh, I have been a judge in traffic court, court for 24 years, and I have never seen as many incidences of just complete blatant disregard for our traffic and safety laws. And you've been out there. Anybody's driven on the streets of Memphis, Shelby County, and not just in this city or state, across the country. Mm. People just have a complete disregard for human life, for human safety. I've seen children, uh, not just children, people, drivers running stop signs, running, blowing through red lights, making uh, left-hand turns from a straight lane on a red light. Uh, I, have, I can't tell you the number of people who have come into my court either disabled, hurt, or killed as a result of people, and a lot of times youth, yeah. uh, driving com with complete reckless abandon for regard for, for human life. Uh, and so it's, it is a, um, a byproduct of isolation, of lack of social contact, uh, and and you know that somebody who is locked away in a, in a prison or isolated for a period of time, they lose that empathy, they lose that social contact, and because of that, it becomes a uh, it's a me or them kind of attitude. We've got to change that. We we've got to become more humane in our society. Yeah. And the only way we do that, you know, is by interaction with our fellow brothers and sisters, by showing love, by showing a, a sharing a common bond, by building that empathy within the relationship uh, that makes us appreciate our fellow human beings. Yes, sir. And uh, that was wonderfully said. And uh, 
I just want to thank you for taking some time. I know how busy you are, and I really want to thank you for taking a few minutes to uh, visit with our Real Talk audience. Uh, wish you absolutely the best of luck, uh, you know, you. Uh, in, in, in your position, and we, we feel like uh, you're going to make the kind of changes that are needed. Uh, Shelby County Juvenile Court Judge Tarek Sugarman, uh, our guest tonight, and thank you, Tarek, for coming on the show, and be safe thank in your you. travels. Look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you, Chris. Chip, thank you. You take care. Yes, sir. Thank you. Great, great, yes, sir. Great conversation uh, with him. Uh, we look forward to seeing uh, what is going to happen. It uh, takes the village, and uh, we'll see uh, how things uh, uh, start to turn around in uh, juvenile court as time moves along. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to speak with uh, Councilwoman Rhonda Logan. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. Right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. It's the return of the Lucero Family Block Party on Saturday, September 10th, featuring performances by Tim Berry, Jason Bolin and the Stragglers, American Aquarium, and Lucero starting at 2 p.m. outside of Minglewood Hall. Tickets available at MinglewoodHallMemphis.com. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to the big broadcast on this Monday evening. Chip Washington with you uh, on this edition of Real Talk Memphis. And I'm very happy to have uh, my next guest with me. I don't know if she remembers or not, but she, she was on my show in another uh, iteration at another station. And I believe she was either running for the position. I don't know, Ron, if, if, if you had it or not. But anyway, a formal introduction to now Councilwoman Rhonda Logan, District 1. And uh, it's, 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 good, it's good to see you and good to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I was running. Of course, at that time, there was a lot going on with the, uh, it actually, it may have been the runoff. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, I think appointment or something. Yeah. Nevertheless, I'm so grateful to be back. And congratulations to you on all of your success. And thank you for holding it down and staying in, in this, uh, being a responsible journalist. And we really appreciate you and are so excited for your success. Well, thank you very much, and I pledge with this platform. To, I'm sorry, that wasn't <laughs> political, <laughs> um, but but thank you for that. I really appreciate it. So, listen, um, we haven't talked in a while, and I and I guess I want to find out, uh, uh, you know, where things are with the city council right now. I mean, what are some of the issues, uh, you know, that you all are really focused in on, you know, as uh, time moves along. Uh, well, the number one thing is uh, violent crime, permanent crime, and um, and that includes so many things, mental health, uh, economic development, um, 
you know, building capacity in our neighborhood. There's a lot involved in um, in what we're doing, but that's one of the things. And of course, blight and illegal dumping. Um, uh, we're dealing with, uh, I'm actually dealing with Memphians that are experiencing homelessness, uh, redistricting, funding, matter. There's just a number of There's things a lot that going we're dealing on. with. Yeah, a lot of mm-hmm. things. Now, now, you know, uh, you talked about the crime and all of us talking about the crime because all of us are very aware of what's going on out here. Uh, you had a town hall meeting last week, uh, an emergency town hall meeting yeah. to address uh, some of the issues uh, that we are that we are seeing uh, today. Uh, so and f- so first of all, I guess I need to get your your take on on, uh, you know, uh, what people are talking about. What are they what are their expectations now? I, I, I've never uh, felt like, you know, uh, people tend to want to blame place blame on other folks and politicians and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a much broader picture than that, uh, but I'll let you tell me what you think. Well, you know, I have my own opinion, and then there's an opinion as councilman, but, and actually it's kind of one of the same. People, on the one hand, are actually afraid, you know, genuinely are are afraid and concerned. Mm -hmm. Uh, But of course, you do have a large population that, because they are afraid, because they um, don't know what to do, then there has to be someone that is responsible or that they can, you know, like you said, put blame on or, or look to. And some people are, are looking to, but that their passion, their their anger, that fear, their, their, their fear is coming across as anger. Mm-hmm. And so when you're angry and you don't know what to do, you look for someone to put that on or you look to someone who should know or and that's kind of it's a, it's a lot of things going on but uh in talking to people they're concerned they want to know you know what what is going to happen what what's going to take place where do we go from here mm-hmm. because it, in some communities this is their, what's happening every day sure. you know some of some people they may be in a community for a period of time and then they go home to like suburbs but there are others that this is what they live day in and day out the sirens this and that but um, the meeting that I had, just to, to clarify a little bit, was to bring the, the community together, mm-hmm. the district together, mm-hmm. because that's what elected officials should, should do. When people are, things are happening in the, in the community, we have to bring people together and, and provide some sense of explanation, um, way forward, that type of thing. So that meeting was to bring everyone together together to let them know that the elected officials are meeting, that the community stakeholders are meeting and putting plans together and doing the things that we need to do to help put things um, in order and to to bring um, the resolve that we're all looking for. If you're just joining us, we are speaking with uh, District 1 Councilwoman Rhonda Logan. And, you know, you're you're exactly right. I I think that uh, a lot of fear uh, comes out in the form of uh, of anger with people because, as you say, they are scared. And and I mean, you know, it's 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 a it's, we're in a bad place right now. And I know people say that it's not just us. You know, it, this is happening all over the country. But but Ron, I've said if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. I don't live all over the country. I live here. <laughs> and I mean, and, yeah. and, and we so all of us seriously, we're yeah. concerned about what happens Absolutely. in our own backyard. And uh, and I, I, I did notice that there was one thing that you said uh, and that I tend to agree with. I mean, you know, it, it we all need to take some responsibility in what goes on out here in these streets. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and even and even uh, that goes to the parents. Now, whether somebody takes that personally or not, I mean, 
I mean, honestly, they they shouldn't because I mean, they they're the first line. And right your there. Kid. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. A lot of the crime, the spike in crime, a lot of the crime that we see is with juveniles. Among um, you know, violent crimes with juveniles, and there are a number of reasons why that happens. However, it happens, and so my thing is, the per- you're a parent, you're responsible for your children. Now, in saying that, you also have to be compassionate and understand that there's so many ways of parenting. Now, you could be a grandparent that's raising children, and on or extended family raising children, sure. a single mom raising children, a neighbor. You know, there are there's one a school in my district, and pre-pandemic, 56% of the students were not being raised by their parents, either parent. Mm. And so that's just, you know, just to kind of give you a little context about what's going on out here. Sometimes um, people of my generation, we tend to think about school and talk about school and young people through the lens of how it was when we were coming up, you know, sure. even though different time. we were, it's a different time. right, yeah. it's a different time. And yeah. even though we may have had extended parents and family helping and we were a community, it's a difference now, you know, and so you have to take all of that in context. However, the parents are still responsible. So if you need, a, my thing is there are consequences when you don't parent, um, but however, there are also we want to present the assistance as well, whether it's therapy, whether it's, you know, um, resources, whether tough love, whatever it is, you know, you have to parent your child. And these, if you're out in, in, at midnight, two o'clock in the morning, you're a minor, you have, you should be in, at home, get ready for school tomorrow, but you out committing a violent crime. Mm-hmm. Someone who's your guardian knows you're not in that house. Someone who's your parent knows that you're not home. And so, you know, that's that's one thing that we have to look at. We want the police where they should be and doing what they should do. But there's not enough police to police every neighborhood and every household. That's why you have parents. Well, that's very true. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, as I said before, and I've talked to a lot of people on this show uh, about this particular subject and. We all have to play a role in this. I mean, that, that, that saying, it takes a village to raise a child, uh, which you alluded to earlier when we were growing up. I mean, that's what it was. The whole neighborhood was in your business. Yeah. I mean, and, if you, yeah. and if, you, if you got into some mischief, everybody knew about it, and they took, they took turns whacking you until you got home. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, but we, don't, we don't live in those days and times anymore. Um, is, is, there, is there something... I, I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, say, and I've heard this from a lot of folks, that say for young people, there's not enough to do in this city, uh, particularly during the uh, the off times, during the summer times. Is there anything that, that you all as a, as, as a body uh, can do to help to uh, change that or maybe, you know, create new avenues for uh, uh, children to get into during those summer months? Yes, and um, that is a, a valid point. Um, back in the day when we were growing up, we had Liberty Land and Adventure River and, you know, Celebration Station, all these different, uh, and that was, you know, raising my children during that era. Um, but there were a number of things to do that um, 
kept children active, provided them jobs, provided them opportunities for socializing and in structured environments. And we, you know, this uh, council, we talk about this often and look for ways in which we can do that. Now, when I was a child, there weren't as many things, but we went outside and played and we played with the children in the neighborhood and, you know, everybody was, it was a different time. And then, you know, my children, they had those opportunities. So what we were looking at now um, is what can we do at the community level, at the neighborhood level? Because some people may not have transportation. Some people may not have the resources, but um, enhancing our parks and making the neighborhood parks um, because they're accessible, sure. uh, fortif fortifying them, fortifying community centers and uh, libraries and, and um, connecting with those nonprofits that are in the area, providing uh, not only um, not only training, but but activities and outlets for youth. Um, in addition to looking at what large ticket items we can uh, put in the neighborhood, but I know like splash pads and sports and extracurricular and things yeah. like that, putting those back in the parks and in the community centers, that that'll go a long way, yeah. you know. And then there are a lot of churches that. Um, provide uh, activities and that's kind of one of the things you know that's my background and so I yes, know yeah. there's a lot of programming in churches that we're not taking advantage of and so merging the two and uh, asking and, and helping them to build capacity and pulling in the community uh, is going to help as well so there are a number of things that we all can do and you know we have to lean into some of these businesses to help yeah. um, uh, in these areas as well. Absolutely. You know, uh, well, you said a lot there and, and there really is, uh, you know, a lot that uh, all of us can do. Uh, but uh, I commend you for your work uh, and, uh, you know, on the council and the council, you know, as a body, there's a there's a lot going on. As you said, there's a lot on the agenda. There's a lot on the plate. And, uh, you know, I commend you for as again, again, I commend you for all the work that you do. And I thank you for coming back on the show. It's good to see you again. It's been a been a minute. And I uh, hope that and I can. No. Yeah, I know. But I hope that I can. Tap, Thank you. Yeah, I hope I can tap, tap tap on you again down the road and uh, get a progress report on what's what's happening a little bit later on in, in the year. Of course, always. Anytime. Thank you, you know, Rhonda. I, I appreciate you because you opened your door way back when. And so you all you all got to do is call. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a great night. Be safe out there, okay? You as well. All Thank right. You. All right. All right. Uh, great conversation with uh, Councilwoman Rhonda Logan. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to one of the Memphis 7 uh, Starbucks workers, uh, get an update on where they are and what is going on with them. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. We'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. Support for WYXR comes from our partners at Spaces Group, a certified Miller Knoll dealer. Spaces Group is a commercial furniture dealership located in Memphis, Tennessee and Jackson, Mississippi, specializing in furniture for the corporate, healthcare, educational, and nonprofit markets. More information at spacesgrp.com or their Instagram at spacesmemphis. 
The Brooks is open in Overton Park, home to Memphis art collection since 1916. The Memphis Brooks Museum of Art holds the largest collection of world art in the region, with more than 10,000 works spanning 5,000 years of art and cultures. Remember, every Wednesday is free and open until 8 p.m. They are a proud sponsor of WYXR. For more information about the museum and their exhibitions, visit brooksmuseum.org. You belong at the Brooks. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to the big broadcast. Uh, we are zooming along on this Monday evening. Now, uh, at the top of the show, I talked to you a little bit about uh, uh, the Starbucks 7 as they were coined back uh, in February. They were fired. Uh, seven employees were fired uh, uh, from the from the store that they worked at on Highland uh, because, uh, you know, they were trying to uh, protest about improved work conditions and, and, and situations like that. And I think, you know, there was even some talk about uh, a union involvement or creating a union. Well, it's been a few months now that have passed. And uh, recently, uh, a district court judge uh, did issue an order that Starbucks had to reinstate uh, these uh, seven employees. And I wanted to kind of get an update on all of this. So please welcome to the show, uh, Nabretta Harden. And Nabretta, thank you for coming. I really appreciate uh, you here be- being here tonight. Thank you for having me. So, okay, so catch us up now. Uh, you know, this all happened in February. And uh, since then, I mean, there has been a movement, not just a local movement. I mean, this, there has been a national movement. This story uh, uh, took national legs. And, I mean, it went from coast to coast. And you got a lot of support from a lot of people uh, in a lot of different places. Uh, tell me, first of all, how was all of that? I mean, the, the, the support that you all received in reference to this whole situation. Um, yeah, so it's been kind of great. Um, we started back out in January, um, petition filed all of the stuff on MLK Day. Um, we did a news interview soon after Starbucks obviously did not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put an investigation out, um, about that media interview and then we were soon fired in February. So, uh, and consequently after that, uh, you know, you all didn't give up. There were a lot of protests and everything. Talk about the national impact that your local story had. Yeah, so uh, we were the first big firing for Starbucks. Um, Starbucks isn't known to fire anybody for any reason, really, unless you're outright stealing from them. Mm. Um, And so to hear of Starbucks firing us and then seven people on top of that, that was really big news in the Starbucks community. And so that really riled up a lot of um, other baristas across the country, and they didn't want to stand for that, just like we didn't want to stand for that. And so um, it just ramped up the unionization effort across the country. So, and even in that, there were a lot, like you said, there were a lot of protests. I mean, I I looked up and I saw, I saw Starbucks from coast to coast, you know, were protesting in support of what you all were doing, because apparently there does seem to maybe be a disconnect uh, between uh, the corporate folks and, and and the folks on the ground. Am I correct? Yes, there's a very big disconnect. 
So, um, so let's walk us up to today, uh, and and uh, I think recently, I don't know if it was a week or so ago, or or maybe not too far past that, that a district court judge um, said that Starbucks uh, could not keep you all out, and uh, there was an order to reinstate you all as employees. Now, tell us as much as you can about this. I know it's probably in litigation, uh, and there's some yeah. things you can't say, but tell us what you can say in reference to to all of that. Um, yeah, so like you said before, uh, the judge um, told Starbucks to reinstate us that the um, they did such egregious acts towards us mm-hmm. that we should be reinstated immediately to restore faith in the union um, in our store and in Memphis and across the country. And Starbucks was not having any of that, so they appealed it. Um, so it's now the appeal court and we're just waiting to hear, um, what the appeal court says about our reinstatement, but, um, it's looking very good for us. Uh, we do have the law on our side. We obviously have a judge that's already ruled in our favor mm-hmm. multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we believe that we're definitely going to win this appeal as well. They really don't have any more ammo. <laughs> So uh, and and I and I I believe that as well. I mean, when a federal court judge says, "Hey, you know what? It's time for you to let them come back to work, regardless of what what they do," and you probably figured they were going to push back in some type of way, uh, you right. do have a, a lot of uh, not only groundswell support, but again, you know, a judge has has ruled in your favor, um, and, and 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 maybe you know at some particular point in time, sooner rather than later, you guys will be able to go back to work. But let, but, but let me address that. If, if you go back to work, now I shouldn't say if, I'm going to be positive and say when you go back to work, um, <laughs> how is it, I mean, I, I guess, what are you all looking for in terms of the local store? I mean, they were the ones that let you go uh, and, and, and started this whole, this, this whole issue. But, I mean, what are you all looking for in terms of, uh, you know, working conditions, a change in attitude, a change in direction. I mean, I know you all have had conversations about this a lot. So, I mean, you know, where your where's your head at in terms of uh, when you do come back? Um, yeah, so we're just going to um, follow Starbucks' rules to a T. That's what they want us to do. So that's what we're going to do. We're not going to do anything to cause um, any warrant um, attention. We're not going to break any rules. We um, do plan on um having starbucks come to the table because they have not we won our union election um in the end in the end of june Mm. and so we're still waiting to hear back from them Um, they haven't talked to us of any sort except for in court so we haven't heard anything from them they refuse to talk to us they refuse to even acknowledge us um yet they continue to still drag our name to the dirt across the country um in the shadows so we we expect when we get back to start the bargaining process and to get those uh, issues that we originally unionized for uh, rectified. Um, Safety issues, COVID policy issues, dress code issues, pay, benefits, um, all of that is what we're planning on fixing when we get back. Uh, Any any word as to whether they'll be receptive uh, to the uh, changes that you want to see implemented? Um, no, just like it is across the country, they aren't receptive. They don't believe that they need any changes. Um, they don't believe that they have anything to change. They believe they're hundred percent in the right and that we are hundred percent wrong. So, uh, we do expect some backlash, but we're not going to stop fighting. We're going to, we're going to keep fighting and hopefully wear them down to where they get us what we want. 
Well, I got to tell you something. Uh, you have, uh, you all have been a, a, a great inspiration to many across the country, and all of us saw that too. I mean, this is this is not something you generally see from you know uh, this day and age. But I mean, as, as small a group as you were, the Memphis Seven, and I, I, I kind of like that actually. <laughs> I mean, there's a, because there's a definition behind that that you all are really fighting for something greater than yourselves because. At a certain point in time, you all are going to move on. You all are going to move on with your lives and, and do other things and everything. But you're setting a template for others to follow, and I think that's the most important part of all of this. Right. Uh, we definitely, um, of course, we won't be working at Starbucks for the rest of our lives. Uh, some of us do want to climb up that corporate ladder sure. to change from the inside. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, a lot of us don't plan on being here for the rest of our lives. But we do want to make this place better because this is a lot of people's first job. And a lot of people love this job. I know I love this job a lot. And I miss it dearly because I haven't been there in so long. Sure. And so um, we definitely want to create that stepping stone for others that come after us to not be afraid to ask for what they need from the company that can 100% afford and can make those changes for them. Well, I tell you, keep fighting the good fight because we're all behind you. We really are. I mean, this is this has been a, an, an incredible story, and, and I've been following it, it closely. And Breda Harden, thank you for coming on uh, Real Talk tonight. Uh, it's a great pleasure thank meeting you, you and, uh, and 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 talking with you. And I wish you all nothing but the best of luck uh, down the road. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a great evening. Thank you so much. Thank well, you know. That was uh, that was a great way to end the program. You know, these are young people out here. She said, this is our first job. A lot of people's first job. And, and they really like what they're doing. But, you know, you, you can't create change by, by sitting in a vacuum or sitting in a closet. You have to get out there and, 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 and have your voices be heard. And I think before it's all said and done, not only will they return back to work, uh, but they will make some substantial changes uh, down the road. And as Lola plays us out, uh, thank you all for uh, checking us out tonight. Really appreciate it. Really do. Uh, kind of, we had to kind of walk through a couple of issues earlier. Uh, thank you for Shelby for uh, coming in and rescuing us tonight. Really appreciate that. Appreciate you, the listeners and the followers of uh, Facebook Live and uh, radio or however you get us. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, it just, you know, I, I, I see the growth of the show, not only locally, but nationally as well. We're a podcast. I didn't say that at the beginning of the show. We are a podcast. You can get us tomorrow when the show is posted wherever you get your podcast i feel much better now. <laughs> so uh, anyway lord says so we'll be back here next week uh same time same chair same mic and we hope to do it just a little bit better for lola for nicole for cell i'm chip and i'm out have a great week be safe out there we'll talk to you soon <laughs>